relic. Noun. An object surviving from an earlier time, especially one of historical or sentimental interest. I want to take a second to talk about an actor, a, a relic of an actor, you might say, that we don't discuss anymore. Tom Sizemore. I could talk about his upbringing in Detroit or his substance abuse issues, but I'm not here to talk about that. Instead, let's take a look at his greatest hits from the 90s. True Romance, Natural Born Killers, Wyatt Earp, Strange Days, Devil in a Blue Dress, Heat, Enemy of the State, Saving Private Ryan. Think about the directors that he got to work with. Oliver Stone, Lawrence Kasdan, Catherine Bigelow, Michael Mann, Tony Scott, twice, and Steven Spielberg. So what happened? Okay, so you know how I said I wasn't going to mention the substance abuse issue thing? I take it back. We got to talk about the substance abuse issue thing. It, it, it was so bad that Steven Spielberg made him take drug tests in order to stay in Saving Private Ryan. Have you ever seen Enemy of the State? It looks like he was doing lines of coke between takes. But the other downfall, Tom Sizemore was never really considered a leading man. He was always the dependable character actor flanking De Niro or Hanks or as a part of a crew. But in 1997, Tom Sizemore was given the reins to a film, a film called The Relic. Hello there. My name is Adam St. John. I'm an actor, teacher, podcaster, and a millennial. And this is Rewind 2552. That's right. We're going back a quarter of a century to the week to discuss the newest and highest grossing entry into the U.S. box office 25 years ago. 52 weeks in a year. We, we, we love that. We're still proud of that over here. My guest this week, you may have heard him on our uh, Below Freezing episode of Event Horizon. You can hear him on Best Picture Cast. You can hear him on Worst Picture Cast. My guest this week is Joey Rogate. Joey, how are you? Adam, I'm fantastic. I am so excited to be here. I love your concept so much. I even brought my pint glass in theme I have a Legends of the Hidden Temple glass ready to go back to 1997 because I so appreciate what you're doing here that I want that I fu I fully bought in. I I I appreciate the Legends of the Hidden Temple cup a lot. I don't know if I if I've told you this, but recently I um we started our Paramount Plus subscription because um, a lot of the Seahawks games this year are on CBS, which is a part of Paramount Plus. Right. And I realized that Nickelodeon was a part of the deal. And when I saw that Legends of the Hidden Temple, I could go back and watch. I got really excited. And I showed my kids, and they were like, this is boring. <laughs> and I, I did – now, here's the thing. I picked an episode where um, the, first, the, the first person of the team that made it to, to get to run into all of the cool rooms, she, she didn't – Olmec's Temple. Yeah, yeah. Olmec's Temple. She, she couldn't find anything. So for three minutes, she's just going in a circle. And, and my oldest was like, you like this? And I was like, I picked the worst episode <laughs> to, to, to try to introduce my kids to with this. Um, oh. oh, my God. That's amazing. I tr truly appreciate the Legends of the Hidden Temple mug. That is amazing. I, yeah. 
Oh man, my son's not old enough to break my heart by hating the things I love yet. So I still get to hold on to it. And I, I play it and he just sits there. He's 20 months. He, he smiles for a minute. Then he walks away and plays. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once, once he can start using words and really stick the dagger in, you'll, you'll know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not ready for that. I, I hold true to my nostalgia love and I, you know, I, I'm going to end up arguing with him. If anyone's ever heard, anyone's heard our Back to the Future episode of Best Picture Cast, I might defend things I love a little overzealously. So <laughs> I don't think that will change with well, him. It's okay. It'll build character. It'll build character. Exactly. That That's what I always say. Now, uh, the the week that we are discussing, we're obviously talking about 1997, but this is a, this is a big week. This is This is the week of January 10th through the 16th. And I got to tell you, this week, on January 14th, 1997, yours truly turned 10 years old. So this Oh, is happy birthday! I know. This is my birthday week. So um, in, in terms of what I was doing, I was turning 10. I was, I was hanging out with buddies and, and probably – you know, I can imagine myself asking my parents to, like, re-rent Happy Gilmore because that's just something that I would have done back then. Please – Please get that again so I can laugh at the funny man doing the funny things. Um, but, but Joey, so it's, it's early. It's January 97. How old were you? Where were you living? What, what is the clearest memory of this time for you? So I was 12, um, almost 13, about six weeks away from 13. So in the seventh grade, um, living, living on Long Island, South Shore of Long Island, um, where I am like 10 minutes away from where I am now, actually. Um, and I have memories of, like, I was, I was really thinking back to January 97, and I have very clear memories of CYO basketball and football in the park with my friends. Like, that's where my head kept going. Like, no specifics. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend we, I know we won or lost a game or whatever. Sure. Um, but, I, yeah, I remember the basketball, and I remember, like, I just, everything was just hanging out with my friends. Like, if this was in two weeks later, I'd be talking about the Royal Rumble, but we're not there yet. So this was just a little, just, you know, back to, this is like probably the first full week back to school after Christmas break. Yeah. So you're just, you're just bummed out. So my energy and mind is fully away from school. I'm playing basketball, playing football with my friends and just trying to, you know, 12 turning 13, kind of a weird age, probably ruining my parents' evenings, waiting for the dial-up internet to come up and yelling at them if it came up. If they picked up the phone, God forbid, you know, an adult wanted to use the phone. I had to be on uh, those AOL chat rooms, which were probably dangerous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure many a predator was born out of those AOL chat rooms. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so great that you mentioned the Royal Rumble. I have not – because I, I – there was probably like a 10 year stretch from like five to 15 where I, I loved wrestling and you know, my, my mom was really cool on Monday nights. I got to stay up late to watch raw. That was like my gift. Um, right. And, and 90, That's awesome. 97 was like when all of my favorites were there. I, I, it was, I still had, I had Shawn Michaels and stone cold and I was like living my best life with, with the wrestlers who were still there. Yeah, I mean, that's a fantastic time for wrestling. That's where, you know, battles, there's the, the amount of podcasts actively out right now about that time in wrestling is wild. Oh, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Um, well, thanks. Thank you, Joey. So so that was a little bit about where we were, but some some things at large, other things that were going on. And um, 
I found a couple of cool things. So I found something very, very oh, related to the Pacific Northwest that I'm, I'm proud to mention. So um, <laughs> on January 10th, 1997, the 4,000th episode of Entertainment Tonight aired. So there you go. Good, good for you. I think that's still a show, which... That's still on. That's, yeah, I... So... Still, cool. Still going strong. Um, the On January 12th, that weekend, we had the AFC and NFC championship games. Um, for the AFC, the New England Patriots, pre-Tom Brady, beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 20-6. to And the NFC championship game, uh, the Green Bay Packers beat... The Carolina Panthers 30 to 13, setting up what would be the next Super Bowl, which we're not to yet, so I won't talk about it. Um, no spoilers. No spoilers. No, no. Um, January 15th, Seattle Supersonics, which were still a team. Um, the great Sam Perkins ties Jeff Hornacek's NBA single game record by connecting on eight straight three pointers during their win over Toronto. Um, that was also the same game that Seattle set an NBA steals record with 27. 27 steals in a game. That's awesome. Wow. The Sonics, again, just the Sonics just underrated across the board. I, you know, I took for granted the Supersonics. I really did because I, 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 I didn't appreciate them enough when they were here and, and now they're gone. Right. They had awesome uniforms. They were great in NBA Jam. Yeah. And and why would you ever think that they would leave? I mean, you know, in 1996 NBA Jam, you wanted to be the Supersonics because the, you're going to be on fire and you're going to be ducking over everybody. Like it was just a phenomenal duo. So, yeah. yeah. It really and then they did. broke your heart. Yep, it did. They they did. They broke my heart. Um so um uh in terms of TV, uh so uh, I have the the Nielsen ratings, the 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 top 30 shows for the year. So we're not going to mention all of them every week. I'm going to spread them out. So tied for number 30 is a show that I know was, uh, was everywhere at the time. And I just, I think it was too adult for me at the time was everybody loves Raymond. Okay. Were you, right. wow. Yeah. Was that a show that you watched? Yeah. Yes. Um, my dad was, my dad loved everybody loves Raymond. So, um, it was just something that was always on and, the car drawing a blank on the character's name who played um, Robert's wife. My dad knew the her real life husband somehow through work, so he liked to talk about that all the time. I don't know, but because of that, I've seen every episode of that show a thousand times. Funny show. I I I I, I the parts I've seen from time to time I enjoy, but it definitely was was not my ten year old brain was not like please let's watch everybody loves Raymond. Um, Right. And it, it was also Long Island based. Like they were ba where they were at Lo South Shore, Long Island, 15 minutes west of us. So I think that was also part of it. I, I assume it was a little bigger here than the rest of the, you know, I, rest of the. Yeah, I think it's funny. There are you, you find people who want to do a nice deep Seattle cut and they'll be like, hey, are you a big Frasier fan? And I'm like, no, I'm not. But thanks for asking. <laughs> well, it's from Seattle. So you have to be. I, I know. Ex I know. Like just just by proxy. I know. Um, okay, so the Billboard Hot 100, the number one song in the country for the sixth week is still Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart. So 
We talked about that last week. We're not going to talk about it this week. Instead, I'm going to play you a snippet from what the number two song was that week. And it's a little complicated. Ooh. We'll talk about it after the snippet here. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. I think about it every night and day. Spread my wings and fly away. I believe I can soar. I see me running through that open door. I believe I can fly. I believe I can fly. I believe I can fly. So that would be I Believe I Can Fly from the now much maligned R. Kelly. Um, you know, when when there's a category we have later on of uh, something that never left 1997, and um, I usually what I mean by that is something specifically from the film, um, but I think we can agree now, uh, R. R. Kelly and everything about R. Kelly should have stayed just all the way back in 1997. Yeah, um, and and you know that song being for a kids movie just really really doesn't feel good. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, but funny. Real quick, yeah. the Unbreak My Heart. I haven't heard that song in forever. It was on XM Radio, three separate channels on my drive home from work today. Uh, that's because that song was one of the most popular songs of the 90s. I mean, it just, it killed. Yeah, it did. And I don't, and just, it, I, I can't even tell you the last time I heard it. And today, every ch channel I go to, it was on. I was like, oh, what the hell is this? And that's really funny that you bring that up there. And then we get into freaking R. Kelly, who, I mean... What a, what a, talk, talk about stock dropping. Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, that, that, that company went bust is what happened there. Um, <laughs> uh, so just a couple of things about the song. Obviously, yes, it is from the, the Space Jam soundtrack. Um, uh, it was, it was a big hit in its time. Um, at the Grammys that year, uh, the song, uh, and R. Kelly won, it won best Male R&B vocal performance. It won best R&B song, and it won best song written for the visual media. However, it lost song and record of the year to another deep cut from the '90s. A little song called "Sunny Came Home" by Sean Colvin. Do oh, I like that song. I said, "Do you remember Sunny Came Home?" Yeah, I really like that song. That's re I can't even tell you the last time I thought about that, but that is a really just nice, soothing song. You know, I gotta say, I think the one of the the purposes of this mo uh, this podcast in general is to get people to go, oh shit! <laughs> like that's that honestly, yeah. that's that's a big part of why I want to do this is just to re remember all the shit from 1997. Yeah, that got me. Like I'm gonna listen to that right after we get <laughs> off of this. So that's hysterical. <laughs> Phenomenal. It's working. It's all happening. Um, okay, so here we go. We're gonna before we get to talking about the relic, I'm gonna give you what were the top 10 films at the U.S. box office. Um, uh, I'm going to read through the list, and then before we get to The Relic, just any quick thoughts, movies that you had seen, things that you might have remembered seeing in the theater or whatnot from the time. So, Okay. At number 10 and down six spots, the live-action remake of 101 Dalmatians. At number nine and down four spots, One Fine Day. At number eight, and new to the top ten this week, a film called Turbulence. 
at number seven and up 10 spots, The People versus Larry Flint. Love that movie. <laughs> number five and also new to the, the top 10 this week, Jackie Chan's First Strike. Number five and down four spots and the film that we talked about last week, Jerry Maguire. Uh, at number four and down one spot, Scream. At number three and down one spot, Michael. At number two and up 14 spots, and I'm guessing maybe some Academy Award nominations might have propelled this one, was Avida. But the number one film at the box office this week and the film that we are talking about is the relic so besides the relic any any quick hits on uh any of those movies in the top 10 so one that made me laugh is michael a movie i've never seen but um i was at my cousin's house over i stayed over there like after christmas and i guess the weather was bad so his parent you know my aunt and uncle took us out to the movies and they wanted to see michael and instead of michael we went and saw beavis and butthead do america hell yeah and yeah and I loved it so much. And whenever I see Beavis and Butthead do America, I always think about how happy I am that I never saw Michael. <laughs> That's, that, um, you know, Scream, Jerry Maguire. I think we could talk endlessly about how just wonderful and important those movies are. I mean, you know, Jerry Maguire slightly came up in our Twins episode. Just Scream seems to always come up just... You know, a lot of really good movies that year. Um, First Strike, I, I can't even place it. The Jackie Chan movie. I'm like having trouble even putting together what that is. What do you know? I, you know, I, I know, I, because I, I went through a big Jackie Chan phase actually around this time. It's because it started okay. with um, uh, when I saw Rush Hour, I loved it. And then I went backwards and watched what I could. I remember there being a pretty good fight in the snow or like a set piece up like in the mountains. But I, I got to be honest, outside of like Police Story and Rumble in the Bronx, the Jackie Chan movies are a big mishmash of just look at how cool he is. <laughs> right. I think that's the problem. I think but Rumble in the Bronx is fantastic. I love Rumble in the Bronx. That That's yeah, me too. That's a, that's a good staple. Like genuinely love that movie full like. No bullshit, no like tongue in cheek. Like I love that movie. No, yeah, it's it's very entertaining. Yeah, not yes. I I hear what you're saying. Not like in a campy like. Oh, it's kind of bad, and that's why I like it. No, I think it's right. a blast. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, here we go. We have made it to the relic. Um. Woo! The relic, which was uh directed and also um photographed by Peter Hyams, which I gotta say. Being your own DP, not usually the best sign, but we'll get to that for later. Um, you might have caught some of his work if you had seen Time Cop or Sudden Death or End of Days are just a couple of Peter Hyams classics. I love Time Cop. <laughs> Time Cop is, it, it, you know, the more I think about Time Cop, the more I kind of want to buy it because it is, again, a relentlessly entertaining movie. Ah, it's yes. so great. It just owns what it is. It's like it's the only other movie I can think of that has um the the woman from Ferris Bueller's Day Off in it. It's like the only other movie right. I can place her in is Time Cop. Ah, it's amazing. <gasps> um, okay, so man, we uh we there are so many people in this cast I want to shout out by name because there are so many people who for better or worse, just give some incredible performances in this. So uh, I'm just going to quickly read through uh, the who they are and who they played. So um, 
Uh, I know I credited Tom Sizemore as being the lead, but top billed was uh, Penelope Ann Miller, who plays Margot. Um, Tom Sizemore plays Lieutenant D'Augusta. Uh, Linda Hunt plays Anne, who curates the museum. James Whitmore plays Albert, uh, who most people will know from Shawshank. Um, Clayton Rohner plays Sergeant Hollingsworth. Chi Mui Lo plays Greg, who, let's just be real, deserved to die. Um, Thomas Ryan plays Tom, the head of the museum security. Robert Lesser plays the mayor. Diane Robin plays the mayor's wife. Uh, Louis Van Bergen plays John Whitney. He is the, the guy at the beginning of the movie. But here's, here's the two I want to give a little shout-out to right off the top. David Profall is in this fucking movie as a, as a museum <laughs> security guard, which is so great. I, I, it's hard for me to fathom that he is in this. Now, I know that this is not one of the things, but on Below Freezing, we have an unsung hero. Audra Lindley, who plays Dr. Zwisek, the medical examiner, has maybe the best line deliveries I've seen in a long oh, time. Amazing. Oh, you like to take head but not give it? Oh, my God. She was got me it. so good. 19, 12-year-old me was like probably like, oh, ha-ha, that's funny because other people are laughing. And now I saw it as an adult and I just re I got me bad. Yep, yep, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, it picked up a couple of award-type or nominations. It was at the Saturn Awards. It was up for Best Horror Film and Actress. Both of those uh, lost to screen. No shocker there. And um and I apparently these awards came out this is this because this is funny so at the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards Tom Sizemore was nominated for best horror actor, and but lost to David Arquette for Scream Two, so timing wise I don't know what was going on there but yeah that's whatever. that's odd but hey yeah so um question for you Joey and I didn't I didn't prep you this and it's fun. This is 1997, and Siskel and Ebert are still at the height of their power. So, did this movie get two thumbs up? No. Do you think they got one from Ebert? It got two thumbs up. Oh shit! Really? <laughs> I, it totally did. I I I watched the clip, and I gotta tell you, they embraced this movie for what it was they um uh this is part of this is from ebert's review he said all of this is actually a lot of fun if you like special effects and gore to see this movie in the same week as the hapless and witless turbulence is to understand how craft and professionalism can let us identify with one thriller heroine and laugh at another Peter Hyams is a skillful action director working here with the veteran creature effects specialist Stan Winston and so many special effects technicians that they could have played the entire soundtrack album over the end credits. So they they were they were all in on this movie. Um, That's amazing. I know which and they were clearly the outliers because if you look at the Rotten Tomato scores, it's 38 percent critical and 34 percent audience. <laughs> Which I think is a little low on both. Not a lot low. I I, I think the, the critical one does make a lot of sense to me. But 34 for the audience actually does seem extremely low. Like, I could see this being in the 60s for, for the audience. Right. I was think I was think after I watched it, I looked at Rotten Tomatoes and everything. I was like, all right, so this will be... I never really know with critical, but 38 is fine, but... 
I was like, all right, probably we're looking at 55, 60 with, with the audience. And I was very surprised it was in the thirties. Like this, this, you know, this is a movie that, I don't know. I think this is something that's fun at, at worst it's fun. And I think that usually gets a bump. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's all the, the stuff there. Uh, and now we just kind of get to, to talk about it. So, um, in terms of, I, I mean, I call this section hot takes, but I don't mean bad things. I just mean like, since we're right. not, we're not going to deep dive this movie. Um, so this is like the platform t- for you to, you know, two to five things that it's like, I have to mention this about the relic. Like I came here to talk the relic. I got to get this out. So what's the, f- like good or bad, what's the, the thing that leaps out the most when you think about the relic? Tom Sizemore, you started there at the beginning. Um, kind of sandwiched. He was. It was he. This played Gotti on TV, then Saving Private Ryan, while just doing all the cocaine. They couldn't have sent him to Brazil. All the cocaine. All of um, it. Yeah. Looking at that, then into Black Hawk Down, I think he should have. You know, it's very sad what happened, and you know how just devastating addiction is. But man, this guy could have had such a. You see something like this, he could have had such a monster career. And he's always worked, and he's always been consistent. But when he's doing this, I don't think he saw himself going on rehab house with Dr. Drew, or uh, you know. Yeah. So I think it's unfortunate, and that really bummed me out because. Um, He's really good, and he he had me in this. And I think if that character doesn't work, this movie's could be trash. Oh, for sure. I I mean, I remember um, I was I I had it on kind of in the background today again for a second time as I was as I was doing some stuff, and I'm I'm listening to the first time he comes on the screen and he's going on the boat and he's talking to Hollingsworth, and and I'm like he's playing a cop, but I'm like in my mind i'm like well why isn't he shouting like he does in natural born killers or in true romance and like it was great it was great to have him do a non big performance um and you know and i know i mean there really isn't a whole lot of trivia on the movie but and obviously part of what i saw was that what drove him to do the movie was because he got to play a lead and it really is not something that he got to do a lot and i i think that the, the movie also didn't solely rely on him, which also probably benefited in more ways than one because, you know, I'm, he might have been doing some, some substances at the time. But, like, I do feel like he found a, a, a notch on the acting dial that he doesn't normally get to turn on. Yeah, and even, you know, going to the dog a couple times, going about the last day, and there, there's – he could have easily just been the yelling, hard-ass, unnecessary cop, but there he put layers to it. Like, we didn't need to see him go home and look at a picture of his dog. Like, he got us there. Like, everything was able to happen in the world we were doing it, and he added – and more got added, and he sold it, and he did a really good job. So I, I'm so glad that you mentioned the dog because I went through – I went through such a roller coaster of of emotions with the dog thing, okay? So I'm I want to take you on this little journey with me here. So I'm excited. I hear I hear this thing, oh, he lost custody battle. Oh, okay. Oh, it's of a dog. That's great. Way to you you can subvert a little humor into this this horror sci-fi movie. Great. Awesome. It comes back up a couple of times, but it's it's a thing. Okay. So then we're way later in the movie. And uh, the the relic, the creature, 
is now in the museum wreaking havoc and like people are separated and a whole bunch of shit's going on. And there's the guy who has the two dogs, right? The the tracker dogs. Mm-hmm. So before I so the the story this story, which is already a tangent, is now taking another tangent. Do you remember the names of the dogs? I don't know. Not off the top of my head. Okay. This I I am so excited to 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 do this. I, I I can't even tell you. So it caught me off right away because the guy is shouting the names and he's shouting Castor and Pollux. Have you ever heard those two names before? Wait, is that is that a face off? Castor Troy and, uh, and his brother oh. and his brother Pollux. Oh my God! <laughs> That's okay. unbelievable. So then so then I was like, okay, wait, wait. This this has to be something. So I looked it up. I looked it up. Castor and Pollux are twin half-brothers in Greek and Roman mythology, known together as the Dioscuri. Their mother was Leda, but they had different fathers. Castor was the mortal son of Tyndarus, the king of Sparta, while Pollux was the divine son of Zeus, who seduced Leda in the guise of a swan. So, anyways, I have no idea how that relates back to everything, but I was when I heard Castor and Pollux, my mind like came off of my head so that it could literally explode and then came back. <laughs> my head was decapitated like the poor security guard just tried to smoke his his pot. Um, it was one of the little pot while he took a shit. I and at least you didn't lose your hypothalamus. And you're able to put this together. I know because Castor Troy is an all time movie name. So that's just unbelievable. I know. So so now getting back to the actual dog. So so the one dog gets axed. Right. That sucks. Right. Okay, I think the biggest, the biggest missed opportunity of this movie is that Tom Sizemore does not leave with the other dog. I thought the same thing. I, it was so easy. It was the, right there. I know. When the credits started rolling, I, 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 it was, I, I gotta be honest, I was really mad. I was really mad at the movie because I felt like that was such a layup. Just pick up, just take the dog and go home. No, because easiest easiest thing I could not that that my last note is why doesn't he have the dog? And it just feels like I I feel like I've been saying I mean maybe it's because I do below freezing and, and the scripts are so bad but I'm like this is script writing 101 you can't introduce the dog in like the very beginning of the movie and not have some kind of resolution with it it's it's Chekhov's gun and and it's like ah oh, ah. Oh. <sighs> yeah, the, uh, that that hurt because it just seemed so right there, and yeah, they just they just let it go. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. Okay, sorry, I went on my big caster caster Pollux. I no, that's 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 amazing. All right, uh, where what where, where do you want to go next? What's the next thing you want to talk about? So the next thing that really stood out to me was the characters. Something that I really loved that they did was that the cop was superstitious. And the non-law enforcement helper, who we've seen a million different versions of, as the very pragmatic-based one. I really enjoyed how they switched that up. Because I think it's an easy switch-up that makes the dynamic a little bit more interesting. Because especially he comes in so hard, you think he's going to be, you know, just the by-the-book pragmatic detective. But he has the bullet. He gives the bullet. He won't step over. Just all the superstition stuff. 
And, you know, as we're learning that about him, we're seeing Dr. Green, you know, how she, you know, she looks at anthropology as just superstitious nonsense. So she's just so pragmatic and it's, it's, it's added for a really nice different dynamic that I thought kept the movie on its toes and kept it going. Yeah. And it's, it's great too. Cause it's a little, it's a little thing that you can sprinkle in throughout. Right. Um, I mean, you get it as early on as the boat when he's like, Oh, was it a black cat? You know, we get that little thing right, right. there. Um, although I, it's funny because most of this movie is kind of like, it's cheeky humor, it's gore, it's special effects. And then we get, again, and kind of going back to Tom Sizemore, we get that great story about the bullet. It's not a long scene. It's not over, It's not like going for tears. It was just a nice, simple, believable story. That right. This is why I am the way I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. I like that. That was great. And the uh, I, I'm totally stealing this from Siskel and Ebert. Um, but I want to call this out as well. They, the movie didn't like um, try to ham-fistedly force in a love story between him and Penelope Ann Miller. Which was awesome because I, to be completely honest, at one point, I was, it was at the point where she was getting dressed for the party. And I was like, oh God, like, is he going to walk in now? And I was really worried about it because I just, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have fit. And I was like, oh my God, they're going to do this crap. And they did it. And I really appreciate that. They showed a lot of restraint in places where movies of movies that kind of fit into this world and level of movies lack any sort of restraint. And, and they did. So I'm glad you brought that up because that was, uh, that was important and could have gone to hell. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so, so okay. I, I, I'm just, I don't know how I'm, I'm just going to ask the question that I, I wrote down here. Cause I don't know how else to phrase it, but it's an honest one. So I, who is Penelope Ann Miller? I got to be honest, I, and I looked at her IMDb, and I've seen things. I've seen things that she's been in. I wrote them down so that I knew I wasn't crazy. But, like, I, I, I don't – I don't – I have no idea who this person is. I really don't. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert. I'm not going to be super nice about her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. And um, – because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Kindergarten Cop. I'm sure you are as well. Yeah. And I was like, how is that person this person? <laughs> it, it didn't make sense to me. And actually, I, talk, I, was, my, uh, I was talking to my buddy today, and he was like, oh, and I was telling him about it. He's like, oh, what movie? And I was like, oh, The Relic. He's like, oh, that's with that girl who had five years and then just disappeared. I was like, yeah, you know her? Like, you could put that off. He's like, oh, I don't know her name. <laughs> and I was like, yes. And she's she's been in like Oscar-y movies. She was in Awakenings. She was in Chaplin. She apparently she was in The Artist, which I straight up didn't know. Um, she was the terrible wife who was absolutely useless. Who oh. just sat behind the paper and was just like, hmm, and did oh. nothing. It was just entitled asshole. Got it. That was it. yeah. But yeah, I, I I figured I would watch this movie and I would have the like the realization. Oh, it's. It's her from that, and I never did. I never did. I agree, and I, I think it was tough. And I think as much as Tom Sizemore made this movie work, I think putting, you know, and I know, you know, you look at the trivia, so much of it, they didn't really expect this to work because they didn't have stars. And I think, 
where Tom Sizemore outkicked her co- the, his coverage, um, she kind of sat right where they predicted. I can see that. Yeah, there was a a, a moment of it, so so in I, I it's so because I'm teaching intro I'm teaching intro to acting right now, and one thing I keep telling my students is this idea it's it's the illusion of the first time, right? Meaning that you can't know that the phone is going to ring, right? You you can't anticipate it. It has to be a thing that happens. So so when, when she when she walks into the bathroom and sees that the guy's head is off, that scream comes so quick and is so loud and feels so planned. It, I was right. it was a little like oh, okay. Uh, what, <laughs> what what take was that? Was that like seven? Are you are you just getting tired? It just felt like it was like ah right off the bat, and I was like ah right. Didn't even have time to process what she was seeing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That would be something I would show my students and go see. Don't do that. Right. If you yes, exactly, and yeah, she just really was all over the place with things. Um, and I, I do think I like the way the character had things down. I don't think she always worked doing it, though. Yeah, and and I do think it's uh, it's tough because I will say I think the biggest the 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 worst part of this movie is uh, this is going to be tough. I want to be it's I think it's the the um the science is the worst part of the movie because especially towards the end. When she's like, whoa, this thing is part human. Oh, wait, it's actually this guy. And I'm like, I don't like I am I can believe it was so funny. I said I could believe that this monster exists, but I don't believe in your computer. <laughs> I, I don't believe in the information yes. you're getting. Yeah, because, oh, we've put this together over the past three years. But we also know that John Whitney was found on a boat eight days earlier with no hypothalamus in the boat. So... You know, listen, I was fine that it was a beetle. I was fine that it was a lizard. I was fine with all that. The, the John Whitney thing, I was like, no. <laughs> like, that that bummed me out. Because I think at that point, this suspension of disbelief just turned into. And I think that they did it for that one scene where they were face-to-face. And she's like, I know who you are before getting on the elevator. Like, that didn't need to happen. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. By, by the way... Uh, I mean, I don't have – this is not a fact, but I have to imagine that – do you think this is, like, the most use of the word hypothalamus in a, in a movie? I mean, it has to be, right? It was unbelievable. Like, they <laughs> found every reason to say it. I, they must have had, like, a running gag with, you know, who could say it the most because there was times where they were just throwing it out. At, at one point, uh, one somebody th- put three times in one sentence, like – we, we know, guys, <laughs> when they were like, wait, these are the those are the proteins that would be in the hypothalamus. And they took the hypothalamus from all the brains that were found. And now we have to tell Augusta about the hypothalamus. I, I, I by the way, I think you're spot on. I think it was some <laughs> internal cast challenge to just see how often they could say it. It got me. And, it, you know, and listen, um, James Whit- Whitmore. My, you know, Brooks from Shawshank, my favorite movie, you know, made one of the stupidest decisions I've ever seen. Most unnecessarily, like, what did he, just like passive, whatever happens to, like, Augusta could have easily carried him up the stairs with no stress. 
And he was like, no, you have somewhere to be. Like, what, what are we doing, guy? I, you're, you're Brooks. You're better than this. It was, it was tough because I, I, I couldn't tell if the character th – there was a part of me who, that thought that he believed that he could, like, stop it or, like, talk to okay. it, which – and I was like, dude, this thing is going to do what it's been doing and rip your fucking head off. It's going to fucking snatch right. your hypothalamus. Right. Somehow, with, with, its, with its awesome fangs, is going to just be very precise in its surgery. But, you know, listen, this is the Kathoga. It is a, it's a deal with the devil. You can't talk to it, dude. <laughs> oh, man. But when he was like, no, you go. Leave me in this underground tunnel under Chicago. You know, I think even... If there was someone who's never seen a movie or never seen any story before somehow, like you take someone living in the jungle their entire life, as you get them cleaned up, you're like, oh, here's here's just a movie. They'd be like, oh, he's going to die. <laughs> um, you, you just said something, and, and uh, it, it sparked two thoughts. So I, I, I want to come back to the, the dog thing just for a second, I promise. Okay. Because they couldn't they – couldn't, somehow bring in they couldn't write in the fact that he leaves with the dog but they could the first time that we meet tom sizemore remember to say something about the canals and like oh back in the day they used to they used it all the time and like oh I'll, i that comes back later when we have to get out like they could get that but they couldn't get the dog which just uh it just kills me um but i also had a I, I, so I'll be honest, I didn't watch a trailer for this before I started the movie. I just fucking blap, turned it on, right? And the movie starts, and, and for the first, like, six, seven minutes, I thought this was a period piece. Because, because, <laughs> because yes. homeboy John Whitney is in his, like, safari garb. His camera looks old, and then he, and he's with a tribe, and, they, and they're wearing their, their native stuff. So it's like, oh, okay. But then, like, the, the cargo ship looks really old. The, the, the captain, who has no time for his shit, looks like he's wearing older stuff. And then we have that hard cut to, like, the Chicago skylight. And my mind was like, what? how much time passed? Isn't that six weeks? I'm like, six weeks? <laughs> has, has it not been six decades? Like, what is happening? Yeah, it was very, it was very odd because they didn't, you know, he's he's drinking the ayahuasca or whatever, and he gets scared, and then it's like, oh, the the white guy's at the ship for some reason. Oh, now he's stowing away for some reason. Like, where is this? And then because you're right, the I think the captain was the most. He he looked like one of the like like a 1930s Disney cartoon like ship captains like bouncing around with just like, and it was. It was very funny, and then you just see the Chicago cop in Chicago, and you're like, "How are we in Chicago?" Yeah, it was it. It. I, I'm really glad that they. Everything else was was very modern to the time, but I, I just initially my mind was trying to do like gymnastics to catch up with what was going on. Um, so we're we're getting close to categories. So bef before we get to those, uh, any other like like bit like a big thing that you want to get out about the movie? So. The, the other, like, last big thought I have is the Kathoga as, like, a villain. When I wrote down on paper what it was, I was like, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> but as I watched it evolve from, like, nothing into this giant thing that was just jumping across the screen and eating SWAT guys off their repelling, 
I loved it. Now, I don't know why he was fireproof, but like writing it down on paper, I was like, oh, okay, uh, Brazilian tribe sold, you know, sold their souls to the devil to protect themselves. This guy, okay, um, the, you know, be, based off proteins, becomes what, you know, inhabits whatever and just becomes a lizard version of that. I'm like, oh, this is, oh, oh, okay. They made up the Callisto effect. I was like, oh man, this is stupid. But then I'm like, but I loved every time I saw Kathoga. I, I like, I was happy. I enjoyed it. I think it was effective. Um, I don't know that it was always effective in a good way, but it was always effective to get a reaction. So I, I think like on paper versus the actual, what it was just does not match because I think like good job by them. I've never seen anything look like that. Oh yeah, that's that was the thought I had too. Is this thing was was very unique. It was not. It didn't look like anything else. Obviously, credit Stan Winston and crew for for uh, visualizing that and getting it getting it up. Um, I guess like small question, worst SWAT team in history. You think one of the worst has to be has to be. I mean, just they're getting picked off. Like I was imagining, like it looked like what like fish sea while people are fishing just these like a worm on a hook just getting eaten and the guys on the boat just keep throwing it down even though they're like adjust your plan adjust a little bit clearly this thing is better than you at this <laughs> don't just sacrifice your guys because this is what you thought was going to work oh man that was that was again like and that was one of those like this is so dumb but i i got such a kick out of that whole chunk that was that was funny um because it looked cool when the Kathoga went back and forth across the screen. Yeah. Because at points, this movie was way too dark. Yes. But there, it was perfectly dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So now we're, we're going we're gonna to head on over to some of these categories here. The, the first one is themed, I've got a good feeling about this, or do I? Um, so uh, we're both going to talk about what never left 1997 and what has made it all the way to 2022. Um, so I'll give you, I just will give one example of each here, things that I wrote down. Um, all so, right. Something that never left 1997, the Chicago Bulls. Um, be <laughs> because quite honestly, uh, I think that was the last Jordan year. And after that, pretty much the, the Bulls were Ooh, never. It was like, the it was been the SWAT team since. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, but something that I, I would say has made it all the way to 2022 was uh, Tom Sizemore casually dropping uh, references to the internet in the movie. Like, are they talking about his dog on the internet? I'm like, this is 97. This movie was way ahead of its time. Yeah, oh, that's very true. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't even think about that because it was just so immersed in the internet, but that's, that's a great point because that wasn't something that was, you know, it, we were talking about dial-up modems earlier, like good, they they saw something yeah yeah um so i'll open up uh, whether whether it, it never left 97 or it made it to 2022 what are what are some thoughts that you have so for first what ne what never left 1997 um penelope ann miller's career <laughs> um and i think rightfully so i, I <laughs> You know, I think she was on an episode of Criminal Minds. I've seen every episode of that show like numerous times and I couldn't even place her there. Like <laughs> kindergarten cop should have been the retirement party for her. <laughs> I can't and I mean, I can't disagree. I, I mean I I, I I I can say that I probably enjoyed her more than you, but I also felt like she was a weak link for sure. Um what made it to twenty twenty two 
is a bummer for me, but it's everyone ignoring professionals telling them there's a serious problem in order to make money. <laughs> I, yeah, I very much agree with that one. Um, I also I have I, something something that never left 1997, but maybe unfortunately did make it is grabbing toxic things with your bare hands. The amount. Oh yeah. Of times <laughs> she kept touching that leaf with her bare. I never hands. washed your hands. I know in this in the times of COVID, I'm like shit. This is bad. This is aged <laughs> terribly, but also kind of unfortunately well, given where we are now. Um, I was like, wash your hands. <laughs> I have I have one that I have one that's kind of both too. I have one that something that never left '97, but that made it to 2022. But I think the funniest way to do it is to start with what made it to 2022, which is this idea of how kids act on field trips. I that that is that is kids on field trips don't un, I'm, yeah. unruly can't control them and that's how it is what what never left leaving kids behind on field trips you would be on the news for a month your fit your face would be everywhere there would be there would if that happened today there would be seven podcasts about you tomorrow i i didn't um when, when it happened, the first watch, I just let it go by. And today, as it was kind of playing in the background, I stopped what I was doing to make sure that it happened the right way. The kids go off on their own. Other stuff happens. Uh, Penelope Ann Miller leaves. It, it's at night. And then we cut back to the kids. And I'm like, wait, wait. So the museum is closed. And these kids are still here? Just hanging out. And their parents were just seemed like, oh my god, are you okay? Now, why have you been here for twenty four hours? I mean, I get that that teacher is stressed, and she's stressed from the get go. But like, come on, that that is bad. That is not forgivable. Oh my god, yeah, that's amazing. That's that's how you lose your job now. Um, <laughs> just I, they didn't care about us in ninety seven. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. I only have two more. Um, Something that I think is is back in 1997 is um is sneaking around to smoke pot and maybe I'm I'm talking from my very uh uber liberal Pacific Northwest bubble where people just smoke outside all the time now but it's like ah you don't got to sneak around to smoke pot anymore come on you just you just do it um and then the uh, the thing that made it to 2022 which is it, it made me chuckle a lot because apparently there was just a 60 minutes thing on this is um shipping delays yes that's what i had i had the shipping delays yeah. that's like just and the fact that the coast guard had to pull the ship was just floating outside chicago harbor so the, the fact that the ship was just out there like that <laughs> oh shit yeah uh, super have... sadly relevant i know i know uh do you have anything else for for this this section yeah i had the ship the other i had for what never left was uh, um, the the computers with that with the fonts and the programs that don't really exist that they just clearly made up for it because you know now you see things and they're a program they're they're a running system this was just they made up something to make it work and it just looks like nothing ever and it, but it, I I loved it I was like oh this is this is a really lucky that they have this very specific tool in this place for the lady who can't get a grant. That's good. I like that one. That's great. 
Um, so the next category is called the dot-com boom and crash. So it's 1997. You've just seen The Relic. You can purchase stock in, in a person uh, from the movie. Um, who, so whose stock rose the most since the film and whose stock has plummeted the most since the film? I have a sinking suspicion that I know who has lost the most stock to you. Yeah, uh, not to be too repetitive, but uh, Penelope and Miller may have bankrupt a few people. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I think I think maybe maybe it went back up a little bit during the artist. You know, it might have been like a oh she was in that movie, but but yeah, I I, I think and then they saw her in it and they were like oh she is by far the least valuable person <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> um, I can't I I can't disagree. I, but I what I. But what I'm curious about, though, is whose stock would you say rose the highest? So the, the one that I, I thought about that made me laugh was uh, Linda Hunt, who plays the museum. She was in Star Wars. She's been in all sorts of things. Like, her career has been she fantastic. Has, she has an and Oscar. She's, yeah, she's got a long, just really wonderful career. She stayed very active and relevant and not active in you were a extra in a pilot that never got watched, but no, you were in a, you were in star Wars movies. Like it's legitimate. Like I, I think like really good for her. And I liked her in this. I think she worked. I really loved when she fired the shit heel security guard. Oh, that was that made me happy. Yeah. 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 So I big, big fan of hers. So I, 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 for me, I only had one answer, and uh, it was David Proval because he gets to go on and be have one of the most memorable characters on The Sopranos. That will do it. <laughs> um, it because because in a movie like this, there's a lot of no named, you know, actors, so it's like you're not really going to judge their career. But like, and Tom Sizemore, you know, his went down, but not as much as Penelope and Miller. But like, and. Tom Sizemore's, I wished, like, I couldn't put him in the dropped, so I put him in kind of a middle section where it rose at the moment, but just due to outside interference had to just be taken off the market for a time, because yeah. I couldn't say it dropped, because he's so good in this, and really, he's so good in so many other things after this, and I mean, before this, he's phenomenal. Yeah, I think it's that's one of those ones where with with Tom Sizemore, you buy you buy his stock. If if you didn't buy it like when he was doing like True Romance, you buy it here. This is you buy here, you sell at Black Hawk Down, and then you, you're good because after that, right. it's really when it you're not going to see any return. Right, you know, once he hits VH1 shows, sadly, it's not it's not making it up. But you know, I think. I think there's an alternate universe where that guy is, you know, an Oscar contention in ears because I, I think really just fantastic. I agree. I agree. Um, so now we're at the Oscar reexamination, uh, asking if this should have been nominated or won for anything. So here's, I want to read you the nominees for best visual effects from this year. Okay. So Titanic won. And the, sure. the other nominees are The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and Starship Troopers. So my, the first thing that I would say is this was back in the 90s where hair and makeup and visual effects would commonly have three nominees and not five. Now Nowadays, right. it would have been five. So 
I don't know. So my question to you is, in a world where there are five nominees, does the Relic deserve one of those spots? I think it does. I don't, you know, but it would have to be in the world of five because I'm, I don't think, I mean, it's definitely not better than Titanic, but Lost World and Starship Troopers um, are, I mean, I'm a little too obsessed with the Jurassic Park movies and Starship Troopers, you know, I think is just underratedly brilliant. But there is a world where that's a fourth movie. The Kathoga is a cool, unique being. I think because this movie was so difficultly dark, there were, I had to go back and watch certain scenes and really bump up the light to even kind of realize, like when they kill the homeless rapist, and then we go into where you know where this where the where the Kathoga is like half into what he is, and he just kind of looks like a ragged dog. I didn't realize what that was. I had to go back and pump the volume, the pump the volume, pump, pump up, the light yeah. up so much to even realize what I'm seeing. Yeah. And so I think that really hurt it. But yeah, I think that's the only place this could get anything, though. <laughs> yeah, and that's and and a lot of the times, like uh, I'm recording out of schedule. But when I when this when this when this category came up with Grant on Beverly Hills Ninja, uh, we were like, we could, just, <laughs> we could just keep going. There's no reason to have this conversation now. <laughs> Yeah, that's what's funny about this project. There's some movies where this is going to be a 15-minute pile-on, and it's going to be a blast. And then there's Beverly Hills Ninja. Great movie, but that was not made for the Oscars world. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, but, the, you know, the MTV Video Awards, we could talk about that here, right? Like, I think this could have gotten, like, a best fiery best villain on fire award in the mtv <laughs> movie awards they had ridiculous categories right it, it, yeah it would have killed it would have killed there um so we have two left uh and uh the second to last question is does this film make anyone's mount rushmore i mean realistically probably penelope ann miller as much as we shit on her it's probably yeah it's got kindergarten to... cop it's kindergarten cop is probably like one and two yeah and this is probably four, and just be now she was useless in the artist, not to be that piling on, but I mean, in the our BPC artist episode, she got recast with a Muppet, um, <laughs> so that's how lowly. But you know, it's an Oscar, you know, Oscar winner, so that has to go. And then this probably sits at number four for her. Yeah, yeah, I can see. I mean, I know she she has some other movies of note on here, but I, I definitely, I mean, I, I I actually think. Kindergarten Cop, this, and the artist probably are on there. I, I think I actually vaguely remember her in Chaplin. Um, so. I don't at all. I've seen that movie. It's been a while since I've seen it, but um, recent enough where I should be able to like put it together. And I think she's one of those people which, you know, there's just some people you just see and you're like, what do they look like? <laughs> Yes, I know. I know what you're talking about. Um, okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, I I think that's about it. Uh, definitely not Sizemore. There's no way. No, there's no way. I mean, no way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and I don't think anyone else. But you know, I think for her, as much as you know, we've trashed her. I do think this. I'm sure when she, you know, sure this is up on her resume right there. So yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, and so the last question, and I'll read it word for word. In another 25 years, when the world descends into chaos and madness, will anyone remember this film? Will it be worthy of another re-examination? Yes, because in 25 years, Silver Tom Sizemore is going to be 
crushing the post-apocalyptic acting game, and he is going to be rocking the relic and bringing it back, and someone's going to do an unnecessary relic remake at the 50-year anniversary and just piss everyone off. Oh, that's so great. You know, have you ever seen The Straight Story? Do you know of this movie? No. So it's it's a David Lynch movie, but if you watched it, you wouldn't know. And it's about um, Richard Farnsworth plays this old guy who I think lives in Iowa, and he finds out that his brother is sick, and he, he wants to go see him. So he drives his tractor across the country to go visit him. And it's it, 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 like that's the plot, and it's not, it's not anything extra special than that. But he is phenomenal in it. It's actually a really good movie. In 25 years, Tom Sizemore needs a, a, the straight story for him. He needs to play just a simple old man reckoning with something. And, like, that'll do it, man. That'll fucking bump it up. And I'll watch it. I, I'll, I'm, re- I'm there for I, it. I would, too. I would, too, for sure. Um, so so that that's the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, uh, Joey, thank you so much. Do you want to plug either of the of the shows that you're doing right now? Yeah, thanks so much. So first, I mean, the main show is the Best Picture Cast. Um, we are at Best Picture Cast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. You can find us anywhere podcasts are. Um, you know, we go th- we're going through all of the Best Picture winners, not in order. Um, and, you know, we do a lot of fun bonus episodes. We just did, we did Twins, we did Poltergeist, the winner of our horror tourney. Twins was the winner of our Sub 50 on Rotten Tomatoes tournament. The relic eligible, <laughs> totally um, it is. for you know, for for future you know for next year if anybody's looking. Um, so we you know we come out every other Monday there. Then um, Grant Z, who you will hear on Beverly Hills Ninja, and I uh, started a spinoff called Worst Picture Cast to really talk about all the terrible B movies. Um, you know we teased in our Miami Connection episode. I'll tease it a little bit more here, but. Uh, Adam will be there soon. Um, go back to the Miami connection. Go back. You know, if you look at clues, you could see what movie we're going to do uh, in the Adam's connection with the best picture cast. So, um, and, and I think Melissa will be involved as well because it's something important. Is So I, I think that's we're at worst pick cast. Um, right. You know, Miami connection was our first episode. Surf Nazis must die is our next episode coming out. So, um, and we're at worst pick cast on Twitter. Um, both were all super interactive so you know we're just looking to get out and talk about movies and have fun so you know give us a listen tell us what you like tell us what you don't like and we'll go back and forth with it and you know it's a lot of fun yeah it is it's, it is a blast and i've i we've been involved with the tournaments and i i uh i go happen to be on the the ben-hur episode which was which was fun um so yeah and and it's great because as we're recording this this right now is still just all pilot episodes so i have no twitter i have no facebook or instagram for this <laughs> i'm sure i will and i'm sure you'll be able to hear this on all of the places where you can record um uh, so here is a blurb. Well, God, I, I'll have to cut out all of the times we reference the movie in this so that the blurb for the next week's episode is still <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> but, but if you can't get it from this, I don't know where you've been. The, the blurb from Wikipedia is the main plot revolves around Haru, a white orphan boy who was found by a clan of ninjas as an infant in an abandoned treasure chest and is raised by them amazing <laughs> that i cannot wait to listen to that <laughs> that is the plot description for next week's film uh but until then i am adam and uh thanks for listening